a little bit of a sense for how lively it is from that, right? But it's also somber. It goes back to the somber piano music. Well, let's pray as we begin to talk about this in light of the gospel. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the way you speak to us through your holy word. And we thank you, Lord, for the way you give us eyes to see things in our culture that point to you or point away from you. And we ask, Lord, that this morning you would give us discernment um, even as we go to the movies. Uh, would you open our eyes to see you in all of your glory and all of your great love for us? And would you give us voices to speak into our culture? In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So this film, of course, was written um, last year. It was written and directed by a newcomer to Hollywood. His name is Damien Chazelle. Um, if you saw, he got a couple of, he got a little bit of a hat tip for a whiplash a couple of years ago, which was his second film. Um, and this film, it's, Kind of interesting, you know, having been an artist and been an actor and writer and director of different things, to see how in this film, um, Damien worked very closely with his roommate and friend from from college uh, named Justin Hurwitz. So Justin did all the music composition for the whole score and all the songs. Um, and then, of course, this movie, uh, rather than his last one, he's got these really big stars in it, Ryan, Go uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. It's already won seven Golden Globes. So if you didn't know that, wow, seven is a lot. Um, seven Golden Globes. It got Best Musical Comedy Motion Picture, Best Director, Best Writer, Best Actor, Best Actress in a Comedy, Best Original Score, and Best Song. That's a lot. And when you take those clusters, it's a sign that you're going to do well at the Oscars, too. So we don't know what the Oscar nominations are yet, but I guarantee you this will be nominated for Best Picture. And if it won Best Picture this year, we won't know until almost March if it'll win. But if it won Best Picture, it will be um, one of the first times recently that we've had a very light, happy comedy movie win. Um, so, And I think, too, that because the Oscars... 
they're voted upon by those who are in the industry itself, it just might win. And part of that is because of the of the themes in this movie are themes that really speak to artists and actors and filmmakers and painters and poets, as it says in some of the lyrics that I'll read for you later. Um, but one of the big questions to ask ourselves when we look at this film, so it was um, put into the category of musical or comedy. Obviously, it's a musical. Um, things happen that just don't happen in normal films. Um, the suspension of reality. Um, there's a great moment where suddenly gravity has disappeared, and they're doing things that you never thought they would do, um, and you know that you couldn't do in a normal film. So this. Transgr you know, transgressing of these rules of gravity in the universe, that's part of the magic of the film, isn't it? Along with the spontaneous singing and dancing, which is just incredibly delightful. So yes, technically it's a musical. Um, yes, it's also a comedy according to the genre. But um, asking ourselves what is a comedy and what is a tragedy can be helpful for understanding what is this film in general. And I'm going to say some things that um, the, a, a theory that I have that I haven't seen yet in the different reviews and things like that. And it's a theory that's really coming from a Christian perspective. Um, so essentially, yes, it's a comedy. But I'm going to say from a Christian perspective, I don't think it's actually a comedy. And I'll tell you why later. <laughs> but first, what is a comedy? So um, Aristotle talks about, tra according to him, tragedy, and this is not obviously a direct quote, but tragedy accomplishes a kind of emotional catharsis. When something is really sad, a tragedy, think Hamlet, think Romeo and Juliet, um, it, arouses, it arouses pity and fear. When we see the main character's tragic flaw, their error, which is an injury that they do in ignorance, um, it often involves the tragic death of a family member or a close loved one. It's like in Romeo and Juliet when, um, when he is at the end. Sorry, I'm ruining the ending of Romeo and Juliet. I will spoil the ending of this a little bit, but not as exactly. Again, spoiler alert with my film movies. I like to talk about the ending, but you'll still want to see it. Don't worry after I talk about it. But Romeo and Juliet, of course, at the end, um, Romeo is stabbing himself, killing himself, because he perceives that Juliet is dead in front of him. But we know that she's taken a potion. So she just seems like she's dead, but she's not actually dead. And so, of course, as the audience, we're saying, no, don't do it. She's still alive. Um, but tragically, he does. And then she wakes up, and she does. And it's awful. And you're crying buckets of tears. Um, so tragedy, again, accomplishes this emotional catharsis. It releases emotions in us. Well, comedy releases emotions in us as well, but the catharsis is different. It's comic relief in the form of laughter. You get this um, purging and purifying of the emotions as you relate to the characters, as you're caught off guard by some of the surprises in the film. And there are some surprises in this film that just make you um, delightful surprises. And I found that these surprises in this film made me just um, light up. You should have seen my face when they started dancing. My sister was sitting next to me the first time I watched it in the theater, and she just started laughing at me because she could see my face while I was uh, all aglow with joy uh, because they were suddenly dancing in the middle of the street. Um, well, tragedy and comedy, the essential difference between tragedy and com comedy is that um, 
Tragedy shows greatness in human nature and human freedom, but comedy shows human weakness and human limitation. And I would say that's where, where this really is a comedy. We see human weakness. We see human limitation. Um, well, what does this have to do with the gospel? And are the gospel, is the gospel, the story of our salvation as told in the four gospels in scripture? Is, what is the story of our salvation? Is it a comedy or a tragedy? And that will help us understand, is this a comedy or a tragedy? Um, one thing to think about with the Gospels is to think, um, okay, in comedies, the structure of a comedy is um, like this. Again, now I'm going math, but I'm very visual. And having, do you remember a parabola? You know, it's a, like a line. There's a point. There's only ever one point in one point in space, and it goes all the way down to the lowest point. And then from there, when things seem like they can't get any worse, they sud suddenly get better. And there's an upswing at the end of the story. And in tragedies, it could be said that it's a reverse parabola. Things uh, start pretty bad, but then they seem to be getting better, and there's some conflict, and things get up, and, but then it just plummets, and things go way worse in a tragedy. They just plummet to the depths of despair. Nothing could ever be as bad as it is at the end of a tragedy. Well, a comedy, it gets worse, worst in the middle, and then it gets better. Well, think of the Gospels. For those who don't believe in the resurrection, the death of Jesus Christ would seem like that's the end of the story, right? But for those of us who believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, then suddenly the cross right here is the lowest point, yes, it's terrible. It's sad. We're there with the um, disciples in the upper room, mourning, um, fleeing in fear with the women at the foot of the cross, crying our eyes out because Jesus, the one we thought would save us, is dead. Um, those, that holy Saturday moment of what now? What in the world could happen now? And yet in the gospel story, then immediately from the point of the death of Jesus Christ, then all is miraculously made new. Then we have the resurrection. Then we have hope. And we have real true hope because of the resurrection. Because he rose from the dead, we can look at our lives with, um, with new eyes and with real genuine hope. So again, the gospel is really a comedy, if you think about it, in terms of its structure. Because we have a real reason to hope at the end of this story. And, um, and it's based on the worst having had happened. The worst is over with and only the best is to come. Okay, so thoughts or questions about that. Have you ever heard of that with this kind of structural stuff? I sometimes do this when I talk about tragedy or comedy. Any thoughts or questions? Dante Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but I'm not quoting him, sorry. I'm not plagiarizing directly. But. Um, I want to read to you a passage from Philippians that you'll see is like. I never even thought of the title. It is divine comedy. Yeah, the divine comedy. Yeah. Exactly. Um, look at this while I read this passage from Philippians 2, and you'll see why it's a comedy uh, in, a, in a good sense. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that a great summary of the Christian faith? And you see the structure, right? Um, well, so Jesus' Jesus's story is our story. His structure has changed. The structure of his story has changed human history for all time. And so we, as we live and work and um, go throughout day-by-day life, um, we have hope because we know the ending. We know that it's going to get better than this. We know that it actually has begun to get better already um, from the point of Jesus' death and resurrection. Okay, so back to this question, is La La Land a comedy or a tragedy? Um, well, yes, on one level it is a comedy, um, simply because it is truly a musical. There were, if you think about it, and it's interesting historically to look at film and when were musicals really popular. Think about it. They really became popular in the 30s and 40s during the Great Depression and World War II. There they are, singing and dancing, light as air across these sound stages. Um, people would go to the movies to find a release from everyday life. And we still go to the movies to find a release, an escape from everyday life. But more and more, you go to the movies and it's doom and gloom and violence. And it's hard to, you don't want to, I don't want that escape. Um, maybe that'll make me feel better about my life because at least it's not that bad. But you don't have the same joyful catharsis that you have when you go to a comedy or a true musical. So how wonderful that Damien Chazelle is maybe bringing back musicals onto the big screen. Um, there, there's this time um, that we see it also too, if anybody can recognize the phenomenon of Hamilton. Hamilton on Broadway has brought many more people back into loving musicals. Um, it, it was sort of a niche market for a while. You had to really love musicals to love Broadway musicals, um, really love the genre. And Hamilton has made musicals mainstream once again, and so has this movie. Okay, um, one, and just within that vein, one commentator says, this must have been what it was like to watch Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers during the Great Depression. There is a grateful surrender to the beauty and to the joy, to finding something to hope for from the big screen. Um, so in this, we would say also, not only is it beautiful musically, but I'd say also um, it's romantic. It's really romantic, if you've seen it. It's beautifully romantic. We've lost a sense of romance in our romantic comedies even. It's all all in the bedroom and nothing else happened. There's mystery in this. And it's beautiful and delightful. Um, and the way that the director makes it, um, he intends for there to be this beautiful tension built up. Um, I would say it's heart-achingly beautiful. I would say it's also simultaneously hilarious. The second time I went to see it, I was all alone in the theater, but it was a full theater. I do that sometimes, but I'm safe, don't worry. But um, I was all alone in the theater, and I'm the only one laughing out loud. Does anybody remember the scene where she requests the terrible 80s song while he is dressed up? I, I think it's hilarious. She's dancing and taunting him. I, and, before, and this is before they come together, and it's still in this flirtatious teasing. They don't really like each other but they really do phase that Hollywood used to do so well um, that Damien Chazelle is bringing back. 
I'm the only person laughing out loud in this theater because, but it's so funny. She's taunting him, um, and yet we know that they both really like each other. Um, so he, Chazelle, as a director, he uses some of these tropes from the genre. He does the dance where they're not quite touching. What a flirtation, hinting at what's going on beneath the surface without, um, while still being classy. Um, in so many ways that Hollywood has lost. So he's going back to the old Hollywood ways. Um, this, there's, um, they, have you noticed, if you've seen it, that they have a kiss that's constantly interrupted? Their first kiss almost happens about three different times, and then, it's, and then it finally happens. Um, it's so playful. It's so amazing in that sense. Um, and so there's this romance in the dancing, um, in this old Hollywood way about it. Um, I want to show you something. This is going to be next about the music. Now that we've talked about old Hollywood, we've talked about the musical genre, we've talked about um, some of the joy that comes up in the dancing and the romance. Um, let's look at something about the music, which I'm not a musical person, but I think the music is amazing, simply because I've had it in my head for two weeks, and I don't resent it. <laughs> Jason and I very early on started talking about what it would be like to make a musical together. He wrote the music for La La Land, he wrote the music for Whiplash, and he'll write the music for anything I ever do. The first music I composed for the movie was actually the theme of the movie. I wanted material that could unfold on a larger scale and throughout the entire movie. We knew there was something kind of unique and magical about it, and it's virtually never changed a note. We knew that that was the rock and the core of the film musically. I practiced some of those piano pieces four hours a day for three months, and I should never want to hear them again, but I'm still moved by them. This one piece of music unites them, and I just loved the idea of introducing the musical theme of the movie that way. I just heard you play, and I want orchestration is my favorite part of the process, finding those colors using the orchestra. Whether I was taking melancholy or playful. Justin wrote such beautiful music and it's something that people are always going to talk about and remember. Justin is a musical voice that draws upon history but comes out in its own language. Justin and I had always kind of imagined that this would be like a 90-piece orchestra recorded the old-fashioned way all together in one room. It's amazing to be here scoring La Land on the same stage where they scored Singing in the Rain and all those great MGM musicals. That was the thing we bonded over when we were college roommates, and it was the pinnacle we were chasing as we were working on music together. We're so lucky to have this score because it's really special. for art, passion for love, and ultimately the passion with which we wanted to approach the movie, with which we wrote it, with which we composed the music for it, and with which we intended to put it on screen. Hey guys, did you know that piece? We don't need to see that. Um, any thoughts or um, things that people want to add about the music, if you know something about the music, if, as you've seen it, or things you noticed about the music even as they were putting it up there um, and showing it in that little featurette? 
I mentioned about them being college roommates and that they had this dream from being, you know, from back then of creating movies together. And they're fulfilling their dream, which is interesting, an interesting theme um, in the movie, which we're going to talk about in a minute. I thought it was kind of funny that even though it's about jazz, the main musical theme running through it is a waltz. Yes, isn't that amazing? Yeah, even though he's a jazz pianist, we see this waltz all the way through it. And the theme, and I guess they jazz up the theme at one point, um, where it's just him on the piano. That's actually how it starts out. And then it's repeated throughout the movie again because it's their song. It becomes their song. And so you see it in different ways. At first, he sings it as a solo, and then it's a duet with them later on at a different point in their relationship. And you hear it um, later on in the movie as well. Um, any other thoughts? Yeah, Carol. It seems to me it's kind of fun to see real instruments instead of synthesizers producing music. Yes, absolutely. And Carol, have you seen the film yet? Okay, so yes, it's nice to have real real instruments instead of synthesizers. There will be a comedic moment for you then when you see it because there are synthesizers that are introduced as one po at one point, but they're not seen as being positive. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, any other thoughts or observations about the music? It's sweeping and romantic, isn't it? It's beautiful. And some of the dance numbers, you actually want to get up and dance. Well, like a good musical, all of the song lyrics, not just, and I'm more on the lyrics than the music. I can't tell if it's good music except that I like it. But the song lyrics are incredible because the song lyrics point to what's really going on. And so I'm going to spend some time reading through some of the song lyrics at different points throughout the rest of the class. Um, but thinking about just this original song, the first opening song, um, some of the lyrics from the first opening song in the, in the film opens on this traffic jam in L.A., which if you've ever been to L.A., I, I hate I hate L.A. because it takes an hour to get anywhere in a car, at least an hour, and you're usually sitting for a long time in traffic in the heat. Um, well, it's a traffic jam, and everyone gets out of their cars and starts dancing. It's amazing. But the lyrics to this opening song, I knew what I had to do. I'm reaching for the heights. It's another day of sun. I bang on every door. I'm chasing all the lights that shine. And when they let you down, it's another day of sun. It's this picture of this city full of dreamers. L.A. is full of dreamers, as is New York, in my experience. So hence this opening sequence where all of the city is seen as being different artists trying to make it in their own way. Um, and the name of the film itself, um, La La Land, again, it's a nickname for L.A., um, but isn't, don't we see those people that are living in La La Land? Those are the dreamers. Their feet aren't touching the ground. And there is a moment where their feet aren't touching the ground, right? Um, so this dreaming, this idealism, um, one is so prevalent in it. One, um, one commentator, one reviewer from the New York Times, she points out that musicals are in fact for idealists which is maybe why I love them. Um, and another one points out that this whole film plays like a love letter to artists of every stripe. And that's where I will say, yes, it's a comedy if the, if the um, happy ending is to be able to have your dream, to be able to achieve and reach your dream as an artist or as a human being. Then, yes. For that kind of idealism, this is a true comedy with a happy ending. Um, well, dreamers, as you know, if anybody else is a dreamer or an idealist or an optimist, um, 
dreamers are very often up and down. I like to say um, that pessimists um, are not um, very different from optimists. Pessimists, in my mind, are in fact simply disappointed optimists, right? (laughs) 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 Who've gone down. The real different ones are realists who don't swing back and forth. So if pessimists, <laughs> pessimists are really just disappointed idealists, right? That's why they're so mad is because they were hoping for something better and they got disappointed. Um, well, dreamers are optimists, but they swing back and forth very often between this optimism and pessimism. Both of our main char- characters, both Mia, Emma Stone, and Sebastian or Seb, Ryan Gosling, they seem at first like pessimists. When the film opens, even in the midst of that very optimistic opening number, um, they're both in the doldrums because their dreams are not happening. They're, they're broke. Um, they're working in a coffee. Sh- she's working in a coffee shop. He has lost his job because he can't seem to play what they want him to play. Um, he would rather play jazz, but they want him to play jingle bells. Um, they're they're down in the dumps, um, and they experience this repeated disappointment and failure in their respective artist callings. Um, and so there are these efforts to try to get them up and encourage them and get them to keep going, um, keep on keeping on. And one of the songs um, has that keep on keeping on mentality. Just keep hoping, just keep dreaming. Um, this might be it. So you've got to keep going to one more audition. The someone song that's sung by Mia and her roommates goes like this. Tonight we're on a mission. Tonight's the casting call. This is the real audition. Oh, God, help us all. You make the right impression. Then everybody knows your name. We're in the fast lane. Someone in the crowd could be the one you need to know, the one to finally lift you off the ground. Someone in the crowd could take you where you want to go if you're the someone that's ready to be found. Is that kind of depressing? That constant hoping for this might be it. Um, in my experience as an actor, that was... That is how every audition is. You have to get yourself ready for every audition by thinking this might be it. And they're thinking this way about a Hollywood party. This might be it. We'll meet someone tonight, and that's how we'll go big. All these actresses thinking this is how we'll make it. If we're ready, if I just work hard enough, if I'm open enough, if I'm optimistic enough, if I dream enough, then I'm going to find uh, my big break. Well, so into this kind of um, roller coaster lifestyle comes actual love. And we're going to show, this is my favorite dance sequence. Let's see if I can get it to play. I can't get this to go down the PG-13. Oh, my God. 
You see the joy in that moment when they both start dancing and you think, I've just gone back in time. How is it that they're actually doing this? They don't do this in Hollywood anymore. Um, especially if you've never seen and never known that you know Ryan Gosling and Emma, uh, Emma Stone can sing and dance. Wow. Um, and he played the piano. Yeah, and he played the piano. I know. Isn't that amazing? You know, real talent coming forth and re really you know stretching their abilities in this. Um, anything else you notice about that that's fun or funny to observe? Well, you're saying they, they pretend like they don't like each other, but they really do. They pretend they like they don't like each other, but they really do. And this dance number, too, it goes on to um, show that tension even more. They uh, This is the one where they almost, they don't touch at all, but they're completely in step. And um, the magic of the of the dance is broken by her phone ringing. Uh, it, it's just these beautiful um, directorial moments where um, the tension is interrupted and then they have to pick up where they left off the next time they meet up. But you see the progression into a real relationship is actually very beautifully done by the director in the, in the writing in that it, you know, it accelerates but very slowly and naturally. Um, and yes, of course, they, there are things they don't like about each other, um, but they end up getting over those things. Um, well, here's what's so beautiful. This... Um, they have this um, classic love story that's grounded at first in dislike, which is so comedic and so funny. And then we also find that after their next encounter, Seb sings this song. And this is actually the theme song, which he's played on the piano, but now he sings it. City of two separate moments in the film. Here in the 
One reviewer says um, that they do such a wonderful, wonderful job of um, of knowing, ha, being, being good musicians, being able to sing really, truly as actors, but then also being rough enough and having being unpolished enough that you, it's real. It's real. It's not like you, filmed earlier and then they're. Yeah, they're not lip syncing. You feel like, or maybe they are, but it's good and I can't tell. I mean, they're 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 in the moment and you feel this. Um, roughness of it in the moment, the realness of it in the moment. Well, did you hear the lyrics um, that he was saying at first? City of stars, are you shining, which is L.A., are you shining just for me? Is this the start of something wonderful or one more dream that won't come true? Um, when they come together, it is grand and romantic. There's this huge moment that I won't get into because I want you to enjoy the delight of it for seeing it for the first time. Um, and um, this love that they end up actually having, they have found a real true love. It's not just this um, this affection, this eros that we see on screen all the time. No, it's, it's a beautiful love. This is a true love that they have for each other. And... Um, and they, you see unconditional love. You know, she, she even in the um, honking of the horn, which we saw in the trailer, he honks his horn really loud always for her to come on out. Very unromantic, very you know unchivalrous. He expects her to come on out once she, he loudly honks the horn. She doesn't care. She thinks it's cute. That kind of stuff is again, it's in the throes of that early flush of romance. But that's part of the unconditional love that can carry a love like this throughout a lifetime. Well, what we see in this film is that this true love gives them what they don't have on their own. They were both in the pits. They were both not able um, to follow their dreams. Their dreams weren't happening. Um, but this love gives them renewed hope in their respective dreams. Isn't it true that grace received through love seems to make the stars reachable? Dreams seem possible when we're loved just as we are. And isn't that what God does for us? Um, he sees us where we are, in the doldrums, in our sin, in our mess, and he loves us just as we are. And that love is what transforms us. That love, that grace, then um, makes us able to do things we were never able to do before. Produce produces in us the fruits of righteousness, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those things that we don't have on our own. And this love of God for us in Jesus Christ also then causes us to do great things for him in his name and by the power of his Holy Spirit. Well, so just like that, after they this moment of falling in love, of really having this true love, she starts writing her play. She starts actually doing the things that she's been dreaming about. Um, she's going to write a one-woman play for herself, and she does end up carrying it through production. Um, he starts playing jazz again. He'd been playing all sorts of other stuff, but he starts playing jazz again, and it's this beautiful part of their relationship. 
And then, of course, as with any film, and this is where the film starts to drag, real life comes in. And they start to assume that each other needs certain things from each other without communicating to each other, and they get into trouble. There, um, they both start. Um, he starts taking on this regular job. He gets a regular gig, which is a great thing when you're an artist um, to have a regular gig that pays you an income so that you can live. And he's thinking that this is what will be best for them as a couple, but he doesn't actually talk to her about it. And that's where they get into trouble. Um, so all of this miscommunication and following their dreams, um, he gets famous and successful before she does. Um, I think that this is um, maybe something that all artists who have dated other artists um, can resonate with. This part of the film will resonate with the dreamers who have been in a marriage or a dating relationship with other dreamers. Um, she is actually jealous of his success. And you see it. There's one moment in the film where you see it. He's performing on stage. And it is a moment where she feels like he's abandoned his dream, but he's also gotten the success. And the success will lead towards the ultimate fulfillment of his dream, which his dream is to open a pure jazz club. And so she longs for that for him, but she also criticizes him for seeming to give up on it. So in these down parts of the film, it does lag, and you sort of see, you wish they could make it through it. You want them to make it through it. Um, and I'm not going to tell you whether or not they make it through it, but the love story of the film, um, the comedy of the film, is really about them pursuing their dreams and getting their dreams, and not about them actually being together. Um, uh, so in this love, love story of their dreams, um, there's this one pinnacle moment of success for her when her big break comes. And here's some lyrics towards this song um, that she sings that's about herself and about Seb, and it's about all of the dreamers, all of the optimists in the world that are also pessimists. Here's to the ones that dream, as foolish as they may seem. Here's to the hearts that break. Here's to the mess we make. A bit of madness is key to give us new colors to see. Who knows where it will lead? That is why they need us. So bring on the rebels, the ripples from pebbles, the painters and poets and plays. Um, she sings about her aunt, a dreamer who got her into theater, who died with a flicker, but Mia remembers the flame. Dreamers, these optimists turned pessimists who continue to hope and hope again. Well, um, Mia gets her dream, and Seb gets his dream. And so from Hollywood's perspective, this will still seem like a comedy, a happy ending, um, because all of these dreamers pursuing these dreams are just like all of the people voting for the Oscars. They're all dreamers. Um, and I think that's why this will win big. Um, but it's not a comedy from a Christian perspective, um, because love is the fulfillment of the dream, isn't it? Um, the love is what makes the dream possible. Without the love, having the dream and the success that the fulfillment of the dream brings is like sawdust in your mouth without someone to share it with who truly loves you, who sees you as you are and stays with you anyway. Um, so for us as Christians, we get to be optimists. We get to be optimists who don't have to become pessimists because we won't be disappointed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope is put in him. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus 
and his righteousness, right? So we put our hope and our trust in him. We've been truly loved by him. As John says in 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So that's why as a dreamer, as an optimist, I see the similarities between a true romance when there's a really good romantic comedy that really shows this unconditional love shared back and forth and really where they really make a go at it and even when you see them in the hard times and they're still making a go at it they're still committed to each other in the beauty of the love that started and the love that continues a good relationship um that is more uh, realistic that's when the ideal becomes real because in jesus christ the ideal has in fact become real so i would say this this film actually betrays itself um, in this idea of the dream, did you hear, going back to their theme song, I'm going to read to you some of the lyrics from their theme song, and maybe you'll hear, um, here I am criticizing this writer, director, Damien Chazelle, but I think that he's missed the point. The point is not the fulfillment of our own individual personal dreams, the fulfillment of our own personal success. Um, it's actually about being bound in love with one another and allowing God to work through that. And you even hear it in these lyrics. Okay, ready? City of stars, just one thing everybody wants. There in the bars and through the smoke screen of the crowded restaurants, it's love. Yes, all we're looking for is love from someone else. A rush, a glance, a touch, a dance, a look in somebody's eyes to light up the skies, to open the world and send it reeling. A voice that says, I'll be here and you'll be all right. From the first embrace I shared with you, now our dreams may finally come true. The real dream worth dreaming for is that. And we receive that as Christians. Um, and sadly, I'd say that's what they've foregone um, towards the end of the film. They put that in second place. Um, and so um, what might be a happy ending for an artist without Christ is not a happy ending um, for anyone who's in Christ, I'd say. Um, so from a Christian perspective, I'd call this a tragedy. Um, they lose the most precious thing. Um, they lose love, which is all we're really looking for. And I hear it in um, 1 Corinthians 13 and the way Paul talks about this kind of agape love. Um, not necessarily the romantic love, but the love that exists between um, brothers and sisters in Christ, between parents and children, between husband and wife. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have nothing, I gain nothing. My paraphrase of that. If I find the ultimate personal fulfillment, but lose out on love in the process, I gain nothing. Or if my dream becomes true, but there is no one to share it with me, I gain nothing. Any thoughts about that? Any questions? Yeah. I didn't see it. Sorry. Is it similar? Is it similar? At the end, he achieves what he sought out to get. And I think the final um, quote says, happiness is only truly achieved when shared. I think that's true. And yeah. that, I, I think. When you said, it's the opposite of how this movie just ended. 
I, I would agree. And and don't get me wrong. Please go see it. And I hope I haven't ruined it for you. That's I'm always. But it. Um, <laughs> darn. Um, but but it but it it. Um, there is that sense. Although what I will say is the director sees this still as a comedy. So even though we might as Christians look at it and say, ah, they lost out on the best thing ever, um, he still sees it. He's an artist. He's a dreamer. He still sees it as they won big. They made it. Um, they, they have, it's a love story with the art, um, and, they've, and they've made it. Um, and so even in that, I will say as a Christian, um, even in that loss, it's not as bad as it could be. It's very still moral and um, beautifully pictured and, um, and poignant. It makes you wonder, and it makes you really think in a good way. Any other thoughts about that, that Charles? That's where that guy is right now, too. I mean, let's, let's not yeah. lose sight of the fact that he and his musical collaborator are not that far removed from having been college roommates. Obviously. Right. They're, in they're their, very young. They're in their early 30s. Yeah. They're newcomers. Yeah. And look at the big success that they've had. This sure. could, they just won Best Picture, best for Golden Globe for Best Picture, and Best Director, and Best Score. Well, so else has got to win for Art Direction. It's beautiful. Uh, you, can't, you can't possibly lose. For well, it's going to. I do think yeah. it's going to win big. But you're exactly right. Is that as an artist, it'll be interesting to see how this director develops over the years and how life sinks in for him over time. And I saw on the news feed that um, he brought his girlfriend to the Golden Globes, who and he tells a love story to her. But also, he's already been divorced, and his, he invited his ex-wife there. So he probably thinks, you know, that he lost her, but now he's got, you know. Right. That's very possible. Mm -hmm. Well, I should um, close this in prayer, but feel free to keep talking about it. Please go see it if you haven't seen it yet. It's it's delightful. It's well worth the price of admission. Um, Lord, what's that? Worth the babysitter too? Yes, that too. I know. I'm starting to think about that and realize that. But I would say yes. You'll still be thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, the price is higher. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in you we can really truly become, um, we can really truly be the dreamers that we want to be. We can really be idealists who are also grounded in the reality of your great love for us. And so we thank you for that, that there is um, no shadow or hint of change in you. There's no disappointment in you. You will never let us down. And so we thank you that we can put our whole trust in you knowing that even when all sorts of other things um, do indeed let us down or don't taste as wonderful as they seem when we get there. Um, So we thank you for that. Um, Give us the grace to continue to put our um, misguided idealism at times uh, towards you so that we would really trust you and that we would really relish in your great love for us. And we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.